Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. I'm your host, Matthias Wadner, along with my co-host, Will Lomas, as always. For the second straight week, we come into an episode with the Titans having come off a win uh, after two losses to begin the season. And it's uh, it's a good sight. It's a good sight to see, uh, especially the Titans seem to have gotten their, their season back on track after just a really scary start to the season. Uh, I mean, the Giants' loss was was just crushing. Uh, the Bills game didn't leave you with any hope whatsoever going forward, but we kind of talked about it. Like, this was the stretch that we thought the Titans were just going to win these games just because the teams that they had coming up just aren't very good, and we've seen it. We saw it with the Raiders, and now we see it with the Colts. They end up winning 24-17 to in this one. Uh, Will, how how are you feeling after that? Yeah, anytime they beat the Colts, I'm ecstatic. You know, I I thought this was going to be a weird game because Jim Irsay started the week off losing his mind trying to get Colts fans in the building. I think he had three. You can check my timeline because I've made fun of it the entire week. But I think he had three straight tweets where he was talking about how they were going to have— Get yeah. loud, please get loud. It was like the Jeb yeah. Bush, please yeah. clap thing. Yeah, my, fa- my favorite GIF, and it, it, you know, or GIF, or however you want to say it, like it, it was perfect because it's so much like we need you there, and then it was like two minutes later, it's like seriously, guys, we need y'all there, and then it was like an hour later, it's like hey, uh, this is a big divisional game, we need everybody, and I'm like, it's week four, and he's having to beg people to go to a home divisional game, like. I mean, how far have the mighty have fallen? Uh, just brutal. And, you know, that they won their game against Kansas City. And we talked about it last week, I believe. It was, it was, it was such a... It was just a fluke, man. It was, it, honestly. Yeah. 
it was nonsense. Like truly like the epitome of nonsense is what's happened over the last week with, I guess, 10 days at this point with the Jaguars and the Colts where with the Colts, it was, Oh, Matt Ryan. Cause before the chiefs game, Matt Ryan had some speech or whatever, where he held everybody accountable, quote unquote. And that, you know, information about that got leaked. And then that went, did made the rounds on Sunday morning and then they beat the chiefs and everybody's like, Oh, now they're locked in. When in reality, like the chiefs fumbled inside their own 10, the Colts scored on that. And then like there, there was just a series of terrible decisions by Kansas city. And, you know, we saw on, they played on Sunday night, but we saw on Sunday night what the Chiefs can do when they're actually paying attention. And they're nowhere, I mean, they're leaps and bounds ahead of the Colts. So it's glad that we kind of got that market correction. But I did think that if they had law lo- if they had lost to the Chiefs, that this could have been a trap game just because most of the players on this roster have not lost to the Colts. Like we're we're getting to that era where none of these guys on the roster now other than no, not not Kevin, but and none of the guys on the roster at this point, I believe, uh, were on the Titans before they went on their streak that they're on now of winning seasons. So, when's the last uh, time the it, Colts beat the beat the Titans? Uh, the Philip Rivers game uh, at home on Thursday night. I remember because I went Philip Rivers. Wow. Yeah, that was that was brutal, and because I think they got swept the season before that, so it's like. They've won something like one out of five or one out of seven or some something like that. So uh, I, I don't think it's – it's not six straight, but it's definitely five straight, right? No, four. it's four straight now is what it is. Anyway, that's, that's a slight divergence from – I feel – better about the team we we also talked about this stretch and how crucial it was because you know we were talking about how before the Raiders game that there was this five game stretch where you were going to play five teams that had a combined one win and that one win at the time belonged to the commanders Washington yeah yeah Yeah. so you know they've they've won two of those games now you know, they're staring the commanders and they've got a bye week after that. And we said that we'd know a lot more about this team. And it makes me feel better that on the road, they kind of had their mini collapse and we can talk about that. But more than anything, it's it's positive that they won by a wider margin, that they showed that they can put up points consistently, even if it's only in the first half. And you know, they showed consistency in areas where you wanted to see consistency. So, you know, I, I, I was, I was a direct messaging you and Luke during the game and just about how mad I was and all, all this other stuff. But, you know, now, now that the dust is settled, I think there's things they need to fix, but the most important thing is to win these gross games so that when you're healthy and when you're, you know, farther down the road, you have this to rely on and you're not like, well, it would have been really nice if we'd have won that game against the giants. So it's, it's good to be in this place. Yeah. I mean, very easily they, <laughs> if they were lost uh, this game to the Colts or the one to the Raiders, um, we'd be in deep, deep trouble. I think, um, and we'll see what happens in Washington this Sunday. I'm expecting them to win just because the commanders look terrible and the Titans just seem to do enough, uh, at least in the first half of games, 
to come away with victories. But we'll talk about the Commanders in a little bit. Uh, but like we said before, like this was the stretch that the Titans needed uh, to win these games, especially just because starting 0-2 uh, is, is a pretty bad setback in the NFL. Now that there's 17 games in the season, uh, it's not as bad. And given the Titans division, uh, they still had a chance to climb out of that hole. So it seems like they're doing it. But we, I kind of keep coming back to the same thing, like the second half offense. Why? Why? Why is it so bad? Why can can they not score any points in, in the second halves of games? It, it, did we see the same thing in this game that we saw in all the other games, or was it was it different circumstances that led to the Titans uh, putting up a zero uh, on the scoreboard again in the second half in this one? So Mark Schlereth was calling the game on the on the broadcast, and he's a great example of a player who, you know, has transitioned well into the media world and has a lot of charisma, but doesn't know what he's talking about at all. Just, you know, he's he seems like a cool guy and a fun guy, but he also he was begging the Titans to run the ball on first down because that's what, quote unquote, got them there, which, you know, it's a dumb thing to say. Nothing backs that up. It's just it's just a stupid way to live your life. So the whole they should, the Titans should run the ball more on first down is a stupid narrative, and it's what got them killed. Like they had a, there was one play where it was this play action, and then he it, Tannehill rolled to the left, but it looked like there was a miscommunication on where Daly was supposed to go, and he he like hinged instead of like hooking around and trying to get around his edge guy. So basically Tannehill booted out and there was just a guy right in his face and there's nothing he could do. And then the Colts were like pinching their defensive line and basically trying to make it really hard to run in between the tackles. And then they were just hoping that they were fast enough at linebacker to fast flow out and make a play if they tried to run to the edges. And it, it bothers me that, the Titans have this tendency to clam up in the second half. It's what they did. You know, it's not what they did against Buffalo because Buffalo, they were getting their teeth kicked in. And, you know, by midway through the third quarter, they pulled their starters. Um, But when they were playing the Giants, the Raiders, and and then now the Colts, they get so conservative and the depth of target on all these passes goes down so much. It's like they're standing on the sideline. It's like, and talking to Tannehill and just saying like, do not throw it deep. No matter what you do, don't throw it deep. Because I, I mean, we've seen him time and time again throw deep passes and be aggressive. I mean, like in the first half of the Colts game, he threw a deep ball to Chig that he got. I, I mean, you know, he threw his touchdown to uh, Robert Woods in the back of the end zone, which was great. He threw the uh, the little like dump off pass to Derek. I, I don't. That one may have been a screen. And then there was the one they called a run, which was a 19-yard run. But really, it was just a swing pass, just, you know, where where he got the ball. But, you know, that's – they they're comfortable throwing the ball in those situations. But in the Raiders game, in the Giants game, there was more downfield stuff throughout the game. But it's just like it's getting less and – and now, to be fair – they were up by a pretty wide margin and they got the ball to start the second half and the Colts couldn't put anything together. So I don't fault them for being a little conservative, 
But at the same time, you can look at any, you know, visualization of how this offense is working, working well. And it's the play action passes that are, you know, 15 to 20 yards past the line of scrimmage on, on the boundaries. That's, that's where they do their best work. Like those, you know, uh, Dave McGinnis calls them uh, transcontinental plays where you have a guy that starts on the left. And by the time the play action's over, he's at, you know, at the right hash and you throw it there with space. Like those things are what make this Titans offense work when for the last three games, you're getting 3.5 yards of carry on the ground. So I, I wish they would keep that and maintain that play action and that aggressiveness. And then you wouldn't get so many pinched defensive lines, but people are going to tell you that it's the execution and there's some of that because you know against the Raiders if Austin Hooper grabs the ball and rolls a little bit when he's on the ground it's a first down instead of a fourth down there's there's a few plays in that game there's a few plays in this game but more than anything it's just the play calls are so conservative and the mentality of everybody involved seems to be two hands on the ball don't try to break any tackles don't try to get any explosive plays going. Just make sure we're not the ones that make the mistake. And it continues to almost bite them in the, in the last two games. And they've been lucky enough to get away with it. But I hope they look at this and after two weeks back-to-back, they see that there's a problem. Yeah, I hate it. Uh, but, I mean, what can you do? This is This is what the coaching staff thinks is what's needed to win these games. And at least for the past two weeks, they've been right. But it does seem like it's going to come back to haunt them uh, in a game or two. But we'll see. Maybe they're just like holding out completely until they get a little bit more healthy because, man, the injuries are just racking up like crazy. Same, not to the magnitude of of last year, but pretty, pretty close, I would say. Uh, Traylon Burks got hurt in this game. Uh, I think he has turf toe. He's probably going to be out a couple weeks. Uh, probably through the bye, so we're not going to see him for a little while. And then there are players out there that I don't, I don't even know who these guys are. Like, who is Andrew? Andrew Adams? Is that his? Is that his name? I don't even know who. Yeah, who that I thought is. I thought that was a fake guy. And like when Buck <laughs> did that on Friday or Saturday or whatever, and that's a weird situation because it's not like the team didn't try to get deeper at defensive back, like. They drafted uh, Theo Jackson from Tennessee, who's on the practice squad, and you know I think he got called up or, or like. Do you remember when we when we had that pod? I think it was after one of the preseason games, and we were raving about the Titans' depth on defense. But yeah. everyone is injured. Like if everyone yeah. gets injured, then what can it's, you possibly do? It sucks because we're like, imagine what this defense will look like when they have Harold Landry out there, and like and like we talked about the guys that weren't in, and now. Harold Landry's out permanently. So, you know, that that's an issue. Like that that's the thing, right? Is the safety stuff is kind of whatever because they they've thrown in all their chips with Byard and Hooker, and then Amani is supposed to be or not Amani, uh Elijah Molden is supposed to be like the hybrid guy if it's not McCreary in the slot because Caleb Farley, like, we, and we can talk about, you know, how he did in general, but like, he does better than any of the other. Like, you can look at this roster, and or you can look at how the defense in general is playing right now, and it's not like Christian Fulton's playing absolutely lights out, and then other guys are failing. Like, it, Farley played a fair amount of snaps, and he only got targeted, I 
think three or four times and he had a couple of good plays in that one stupid underthrow by Matt Ryan that you know Alec Pierce or Pittman whichever one it was it was Pierce came back to and just ran underneath the underthrow otherwise you know Farley's in good position but either way you have to let him play that and then as soon as they started to falter there then it became well McCreary's going to play inside and outside and we're going to bring in Terrence Mitchell and it's like whoa that's a bad decision and then Lonnie Johnson got hurt and Ugo Amadi got hurt and it's like well those were supposed to be your backup it, like that they just it's the same thing that happened at wide receiver last year or you know that happened at corner last year like I think they played the Chiefs with Greg Maben and it wasn't Fulton, and I don't, I don't think Jenkins was in. I think it was somebody else, but it may have been Chris Jackson. It may have been Greg Maben and Chris Jackson as their two starting corners against the Chiefs when they shut them out last year. So, you know, th- this is not unprecedented, but it is always weird when you see it's like, okay, I have never heard this guy's name before. He was signed last week and is, you know, was inactive, and apparently now he's starting. So that's weird, but, you know, then you have somebody like Joe Schobert come in who led the league in tackles a few years ago, and he looks great. And for some reason, uh, Dylan Cole looks like he can play football now, like when he's lined up inside. And it's like, huh, okay, well, so, I guess weird. some of this works. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what to make of it. Because they, they basically, not not a literal steroid shot, but if you look at what David Long looked like in weeks one and two, and what he's looked like over the past two weeks, specifically against the Colts, like he looks like he's on a different level. And the same thing with the Nico Autry after like, it's like, I, I'm not a big advocate of these guys should play preseason, but clearly two guys or two weeks of real work would have helped those guys because you know, they're playing great now. So when, when David Long's flying around and when, you know, Danico Autry's wreaking havoc and all of that, like you get, to be a little bit looser with who's playing corner and all that. So I don't know. The injuries are aggravating. I I personally don't feel like they're quite as bad as they were last year because, you know, last year it was, you, you basically trade depth for top end starters and Julio and you have AJ and then both of them are out by like week three. And so then you're in week three and you've got, you know, nobody out there on the field. Like, you've still got Christian Fulton and Kevin Byard. Like you've still got pieces there, but you know, the bye week being early should help the Titans because it seems like a lot of those guys are just a week or two away from coming back. So maybe they can reset and reevaluate some things and take it easier. Yeah. The bye week being this early will definitely be helpful. Um, I'm just glad it's not like week 13. That, that is that's the worst bye week I think uh, that you can get. And I yeah. feel like the times have gotten that one pretty often. Every time. Uh, it feels like yeah. That. Right. It feels like every season that's the, that they get the late buy. So uh, thankfully it's coming early. They definitely need it. Uh, hopefully they can go into it with a win uh, over Washington. Uh, I wanted to focus a little bit on the defense after this game. They played, they played okay. Like they only gave up 17 points. Uh, and, and I think that's that's good considering uh, the injuries that they've had. Uh, but they're still giving up a lot of yards, especially through the air. Matt Ryan almost had like 10 yards per pass attempt. It seems like the Titans kind of just sold out to stop the run. And credit to them, they, they absolutely did. Like Jonathan Taylor got absolutely nothing going. 
the the Indianapolis Colts offensive line, which has been touted uh, for years now, just nothing. They couldn't get any sort of push, any sort of momentum going on the Titans uh, front seven. So the Titans did a fantastic job uh, in terms of that, but they're still giving up a lot of yards and I don't love it. Is there anything you're seeing differently uh, on the defensive side of the ball? Because last year they didn't really give up too many uh, passing yards in general. Uh, the pass rush is still good this year, so that hasn't really changed uh, all that much. Is it just is it a different type of scheme or philosophy, or are the Titans cornerbacks just getting just getting beaten? So I don't know because. Mike Vrabel has talked before about how they don't necessarily look at other teams and their best players and focus on how to, like, just how to stop those guys. But insane, you know, by the way, like an insane yeah, like but also process. probably <laughs> probably lying, right? Because like you look at Week Three and Devontae Adams was non-existent and Darren Waller was too for the most part. Like it just happened that we had Terrence Mitchell out there against. Um, Mac Hollins, who had a you know a monster day. Then you look this week and Jonathan Taylor, twenty rushes for forty two yards. I mean, like he looked, uh, you know, inept. Like just he looked so, you know, it's not really his fault because he got hit so early and so often. But we've seen that in the past. Like he's been a guy who can make guys miss in phone booths for forever, and he just couldn't. I mean, it was just he was getting stacked up by like uh, truly practice squad linebackers. I mean, like Schobert and Cole were like putting him in the dirt quick. And, you know, and then you look at uh, Michael Pittman and, you know, he was targeted six times, caught three passes for 31 yards. Like, you'll like, yeah. Like if you take away Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman and you just say, we're going to let everybody else beat you, you know, I think every team would sign off on that. I don't think every team would give up quite as much as the Titans did here. You know, Mo Alley Cox getting 85 yards and Alec Pierce getting 80 yards. Like, but still like that, that I don't disagree with the game plan. I just wish they were more competitive. Like I wish the other matchups weren't so on third and 12, we're going to play a soft zone and let somebody run underneath, you know, and, and complete something after two good downs. Like, that's what it felt like over and over. And more than anything, it just felt like the Titans were saying, okay, if Matt Ryan has to look past uh, Michael Pittman and past Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, and he just has to, like, if we take those guys away and make him hold onto the ball, we trust that our pass rush will get there. And he's fumbled it 85 times this year. So we think that he'll either throw a bad pass or we'll make him fumble. And that, that was really the difference in the game. So I don't think the game plan was wrong. It just, it's not the same aggressive deliver the fight to the other guy sort of defense that we saw last year. Yeah, I agree. It really is not a bad plan. And I feel like they've done this for the past two weeks, really, because with their car, um, they kind of let him sit back there in the pocket, and like that's what he likes to do. Like Derek Carr likes to sit back there and then throw to his checkdowns, and the Titans let him have that. But the problem was that Terrence Mitchell was out there on Mac Hollins, 
And any quarterback, no matter how bad, he is going to identify that matchup and obviously exploit it. If Terrence Mitchell isn't out there, I don't know if the Raiders crack, you know, 16 points. I don't think they get more than than 16 points in that game. And then you're looking at a defense that gave up 16 and 17 uh, in back-to-back weeks. Like, that's that's amazing. That's amazing in today's NFL. So, yeah, it, it seems like they're going with more of a bend but don't break defense. And it's working because the pass rush is just so good that they'll, they're able to get to the quarterback when they need to, or they can force mistakes out of these quarterbacks like Derek Carr, Matt Ryan, who are pretty prone to mistakes. Um, and it's working like it's worth the past two weeks. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it, it is a pretty good game plan, uh, in general. Yeah. And I, something I think we'll see as we go along and, like like we've said before, if they get healthier at corner and feel like they can be a little bit more aggressive, like we saw some of that. I, I shouldn't have said that it wasn't there at all this week because David Long almost had an interception when he broke on a ball to Jason Taylor, like Jason Taylor, to Jonathan Taylor. And we've seen them be a little bit aggressive and like start to slowly build confidence. So once you have the slot corner figured out and you can just have somebody travel with the slot and you don't have to figure out, okay, we're going to move this guy around and do like, once you have Molden back, even like, even if Molden is just not, not his, not the games that he played at his worst last year or the games that he played at his best, but if he's just somewhere in that middle area and you just say, okay, Fulton, you're on a boundary on this side. Uh, uh, then McCreary, you're on a boundary on this side. Farley, if you know, if for some reason somebody goes down, your first man up. Like, if, if you just have everybody in a spot, you can be a little bit more aggressive and breathe easier and all that. But yesterday, it also was telling how many you know tackles for loss the corners had. Like, that I wouldn't say a huge part of their game was screen games, but the the swing passes and the short passes and all that. It, McCreary and Fulton were just blowing them up. I mean, like, it just, you know, I don't know if it was back-to-back, but it felt like back-to-back. And I know Fulton had back-to-back tackles for loss, I think, uh, against the Raiders. Like, you know, that they seem to be triggered more on let's stop the short pass and try not to get beaten deep, even though that's not working. Uh, but that that seems to be the plan. And then you just let them have the intermediate area and you try to stand up in the end zone. And I, I don't love that, but it, that seems to be the plan. And if you can find ways to make, you know, to create turnovers and get plays out of that, that becomes a little bit more palatable. But, you know, if you're going to be toothless and, you know, not get any turnovers, then it'll be a problem in a month or two. Yeah, speaking of McCreary, what a player, man. That is looking like a really good pick. Uh, and it's funny that at the time we called it a luxury pick because the Titans didn't have a need at cornerback. Well, look what happened. They absolutely needed to draft McCreary because he's playing a huge role um, early in the season. So, um, by the way, I mean, you mentioned him earlier, but Dylan Cole, what what got into him on on Sunday? He looked like, I don't know, he looked like like Luke Keekly at times. It was crazy. He was flying around out there. It's, you know... I don't know if it, like it's the whole Will Compton thing where it's like every now and then if you put a special teams linebacker 
you know, in the middle of a defense and you just tell him to trigger in the run game, he'll have a game where he looks like he's a like real, like true starting caliber guy. But like until they made him play in coverage, like he was just nose to the grind. Like you can see where 15 years ago when the four, three defense was really popular and you had, you know, strong side linebackers like Lance Briggs and all that, where you could say, okay, this guy could have done that. Like this guy could have been a strong side linebacker if he wasn't responsible for a lot of like pass drops and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, maybe, maybe it makes more sense why he's on goal line packages and stuff, but they just need to move him inside more and move somebody else outside. If they're going to let him play in that, you know, that rangy area, which, you know, Monty Rice might be coming back this week. So, you know, shout out to Monty Rice. Let's see if he's ready to go. Yeah, Schobert looked good too. Like he can still play. He can still be a two down guy in some of these Schobert games looked where good. Like yeah, like good, good. Like he is good. He's yeah. always been solid. Like he, and I'm not in. This is a great game to overreact because the run defense played so well. But Schobert looked like a guy who you could you could say, okay, Cunningham, if you're hurting. That's fine. Rest up until you're completely back to normal, and we'll just keep elevating Schobert, and you know we'll we'll make that work. But I, the so far in the, in the one game we've seen him, it's been better than any game Cunningham had this year. So you know maybe when the defense is more aggressive and you know they get back to to that style, maybe Cunningham will be better. But if Cunningham has to think and play off like that, I. I I don't know that he's at his best and Schobert hadn't had to do that either, but he also is not making the same money. So we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. But the Titans do this where every year there's a new linebacker who's really good. And then there's a linebacker who we thought was really good, who that we're like, ah, maybe we'll let that guy go this off season. So, you know, maybe that's Cunningham and maybe long gets a contract with the Titans or something, but uh, it's, it's a, uh, it's something to watch because I, it definitely feels like they're not settled at that position and that there could be somebody like last year who basically takes over a spot. Yeah. There's about to be a log jam at inside linebacker, like David long, Joe Schober. If Cole keeps playing like this, Zach Cunningham's going to come back from injury. Monty Rice is going to come back. Campbell's uh, going to come back. Yeah. Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. You can't keep that many inside linebackers on a roster. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, at least they had depth there. That That's good, um, especially with uh, all the injuries that keep popping up. So, uh, so I think that'll do it for the defense. Uh, what do you think about what, – what's your concern level on, on some of these injuries that the Titans uh, have? I think the biggest ones are, are Burks right now, uh, although it only seems he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Robert Woods looks really good. Kyle Phillips is back healthy. Um, so I don't know how – important of a loss that'll be for these next couple of weeks uh and then bud dupree got forced from this game i think he aggravated his hip injury is that what it is yeah um, that that's that was what it was ruled on on tv that's they said that he was out with it or sorry not on tv on the titans radio they said he he had a, a hip and he was out with a hip injury so it, you know it we're we're recording this yeah we're recording this on tuesday night so we know that uh, neither Burks or Bud Dupree has been put on IR or anything like that. So, you know, I, with Burks, so it, it was a lot scarier. Like I was, 
it, that was the big rain cloud over my head yesterday after the Titans game because, you know, anytime the Titans beat the Colts, it's great. But last year, you kind of think the same thing. But, you know, it's a foot injury on that garbage turf in Indianapolis. You know, you think about how Andrew Luck's career is basically ended because they didn't replace their turf and they just kept, you know, trotting him out there and he was never, you know, comfortable and it always hurt him more and all that stuff. And then you think about Derrick Henry last year and it's like, man, like I really hope he didn't break a bone in his foot. And thank goodness it's turf toe because he was on crutches after the game and he got carted to the uh, to the locker room after he went to the sideline, which you know, after what happened with Derrick Henry, I'm sure they were uber careful and that it, it makes sense why they did that. But boy, that, that was, that was a nerve wracking, you know, 12 hours until the Rappaport tweet came out. So with him not going on our, and with Dupree not going on our, I would assume just guessing that both will be out this week versus Washington. I, I Burks for sure. I don't know about Dupree, but the injuries in general, right? Like the worst injuries other than the Lawan injury, which I think, I think we all were afraid was going to happen at some point this year. We just didn't know when, which is why it made so much sense to just have Raiden's play left tackle and just learn. Like as soon as the, as soon as you were confident with Nicholas Petit fair playing right tackle, it, the move should have been, let's stop this farce of a competition and let's put, uh, Raiden's at left tackle and then let's let him train there fully and then give him a shot and then make a move after that because Daly's not good like he's he's fine but I mean he's you know he's not better than Kendall Lamb was like he's not as good as Dennis Kelly was like you know that he's his upside is limited and his downside is clear so I think it was I think that was a bad decision I think that comes from it something that Keith Keith it's got to be coming from Keith Carter and Vrabel because you know the the tape is not as bad as what Daly's putting out on a week to week basis and and I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole but uh, the point of that is I, I was trying to say that the biggest injuries happened before the season started right like Molden and Harold Landry and Racy McMath getting hurt all in that kind of cluster that that was the most damaging thing you know you've got bumps and bruises from other guys here and there, but I would expect all of them to be back, including Burks and Bud Dupree by the time the, the Titans play the commanders or sorry, 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 not the commanders, the Colts again, after the bye week, I expect them to only miss the commanders game. So all in all, I'm not super concerned about the injuries because, you know, even if hooker is still out with a concussion, which Vrabel's always been super, to his credit, he's always been super cautious about concussions. Like, this isn't a reaction to the Tua stuff. He was doing this with Taylor Lewan before he tore his ACL. Like, he, he was doing, uh, he did this when, uh, when the Titans played the Texans and they had Jadavian Clowney. Do you remember that game when uh, they were out, Dennis Kelly was out, Taylor Lewan was out and somebody else was out and they basically played their third and fourth, uh, yep. either their third and fourth or their fourth and fifth offensive tackle option. I think it might've been Questenberry at left. And I, I don't know who is at right, but, but it was that combination 
and they won that game despite the Texans having Sean Watson and Nuke Hopkins and uh, uh, David Clowney and J.J. Watt. Like, that was back when the Texans were an actual NFL team. And, and and he was still like, no, you know, Taylor, you had a concussion. You need to stay out of this. So, you know, he he's always been cautious with that. So we'll see where Hooker ends up because he's still in the protocol as of yesterday. And that might be just because they haven't done a test on him on, on Monday because they didn't need him to practice. So that they might do a test on him today and, you know, we'll see where he's at. He might not play again, but might not play again in terms of this week, not, not ever again. But if that happens, I would expect him to be back by the Colts game. So, you know, they may be banged up in the, in the commander's game a little bit more than normal, but I would expect them to be, healthier in the commanders game because i don't think kyle phillips played i think two snaps uh on sunday like he was not out there a lot and you know frankly with the way they were calling the game where it was so run heavy and so much you know tight end like tight end running back pass centric like i i don't i don't think he fit into that game plan very much and I just don't think they wanted to run him out there just for the purposes of potentially get hurt again. I think his usage will go up this next week, but you know, I th- I think he'll be another week healthier, basically like that helps. Then Ola Daney, I guess is still in the team. Like I-, I don't remember the last time I saw him make a play or do anything special. I know he didn't play last week. I don't think he played versus the Raiders. Like, that's uh, one of those aggravating injuries where you thought you had a solid depth guy and it just, uh, he's just had nagging stuff the whole season long. So that's aggravating, but you know, uh, the rest, you know, from left guard to right tackle, you've still got your starters in, you know, this is all knock on wood territory, but you know, you've got most of your starting offense still in place now, other than Burks who for the first two weeks of the season, wasn't a starter you know, even though he should have been. So I, I, all I'm saying is I'm not as affected by the injury stuff as everybody else seems to be. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, You mentioned Dennis Daly there. He's just not good. I don't know why they don't give Raidens a chance, but what can we do? It's, it's a, it's a coaching staff thing. So it is what it is. Uh, last topic I want to touch on before we move on. What is your confidence level after this game on Todd Downing as offensive coordinator? Has has it changed in any way, or is it just par for the course? It, it all goes back to the scripted plays versus unscripted plays, right? Because the graph that's been going around this week is success on scripted play versus plays versus the success on unscripted plays and the Titans are obviously the best team in the NFL in scripted plays they've scored on every scripted drive they're the worst team in in unscripted drives and it's like look like you, you can you can tell me that it's a combined effort and that Todd Downing has equal say in that but everything that Todd Downing has done in the 2020 uh, 2021 year with the Titans where he called the plays and was one of the worst opening drive and second drive coordinators in the NFL. And 
what he looks like when the plays start to clearly turn towards him and he can't re you know, can't game plan with other coaches. I, I don't know if you say that Tim Kelly is the sole reason why all this is working, but Tim Kelly's input is obviously a huge benefit to the Titans and the less input he has, the worse the team is. So if it comes down to it, and I, I think that there's a good chance that another team will call the Titans after the season and try to get permission to have Tim Kelly as their offensive coordinator. I, I don't know who it'll be. I don't know if it'll be Arthur Smith in Atlanta. I, I don't I don't know who it'll be, but somebody will make that phone call and the, the, the Titans have to be ready to cut bait with Todd Downing and move on. But that they should do that anyway. But having said all that, the concepts in the first half as a whole, not just the first drive anymore, have looked a lot better in weeks three and four than they did in weeks one and two. So maybe there's some of that where he can feel more in a flow after the scripted drives, and then after that he kind of loses it. Or I don't, I don't know what the drop-off problem is and why he gets why he clams up so much and gets so conservative but i think at the very least he's not continuing to get in tim kelly's way which is a good thing but i i think we should all be very careful in how we think about the titans just because they're winning games and just because they're doing the things they should have been doing all season i, I think i think this the winning the winning is great and if you keep doing it Nobody will ever have any questions for you. But as soon as we look back on the season and start to reexamine a lot of this stuff, we'll see, oh, okay, maybe we gave Todd Downing too much slack because there were still a lot of the same bad habits. And hopefully that's not enough for Vrabel to talk himself into another season of this. Yeah, I mean, wins are a great deodorant, but has anything really changed with this team, with these two wins? I, I don't know if it has. Uh, to be honest, and I don't know if the offense is <laughs> any different, really. Like, I will say they're doing a better job of getting the ball in their playmakers' hands. Like, I like that they're getting Henry more involved in the passing game, even though he cannot catch. It's like it's actually unbelievable. Uh, he just has stone hands. But when he does catch the ball, that's good. It gives you another dimension to the offense. Uh, so that's been good. I think that's helped the offense a little bit. I like that they got Chig the ball in this game because he's a playmaker. He can actually uh, move the chains. He can actually do athletic things, unlike Jeff Swain. Uh, I wish they would get Austin Hooper more involved. I don't know why they paid him $6 million a year to, to use him as a blocker. I, I don't understand what's going on there. But I, I do like some of the things that they're doing on offense, and I think once they're all fully healthy, hopefully it can all kind of come, to, come together uh, in a better way. I do think it's interesting uh, that you mentioned the Tim Kelly thing because, yeah, I'm remembering last year, like, what did we talk about every week? The Titans cannot start well on offense. Like, their starts were absolutely terrible, and this season it's just the complete opposite. They are one of the best uh, first-drive teams in, in NFL history. It's crazy. Like, uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Clearly there's... Uh, been a little bit of a change in terms of the scripted plays, but they need to figure out the second half offense. I don't know if it's just 
a Vrabel team philosophy thing, or it's just Todd Downing that gets uh, completely lost with his play calling or just gets too scared uh, with his play calls, but they really need to get it together. I also feel like they, they, they give up like soul crushing sacks in the second halves of these games for whatever reason. Like, I, I don't know, like they, they'll be fine with protection in the first half. And then for some of the drives in the second half, They'll just give up a sack that completely derails a drive, and then the entire momentum of the offense, the entire confidence of the offense is just completely shot. So they need to find a way to to, to get better in that aspect for sure. Yeah, and you touched on it earlier, but the Derrick Henry resurgence has been, you know, we saw glimpses of it in week three, and then, you know, week four against one of the stoutest run defenses in the NFL, you know, he was, he was outstanding in week one. So I don't know if that's just a, you know, now that he's not facing Jonathan Taylor, who everybody says is better than him, he'll kind of go back into hibernation for a little bit. But that, that was great to see because he genuinely, like he had that step back where he basically make, made a corner, like dive at his feet and like, just like left him in the dust after he did that. And then, you know, he was running through contact and he was cutting through, you know, he was moving in, in like really tight contested spaces. Like he looked good and th- there's no reason why that shouldn't continue. And when defenses can't all out key on the run because they're worried about the Titans still being aggressive, he'll be able to do that going forward. You know, if, if everything stays as it is. So that's good to see. Like, I think that's sort of, the unsung hero in this Titans offense resurgence is the play action, like an explosive passes have been there all season long, but not being in second and 12 or not being in, you know, third and eight. Cause you ran it and lost two yards on, on a toss to the left, like not, not being in those terrible down and distance situations because the runs are generally positive and sometimes explosive. That that's been a big help for this offense because, you know, if we said it once, we've said it a thousand times. Like it doesn't matter who's calling the plays, Todd Downing, Tim Kelly, you know, Arthur Smith, Mike Vrabel's edict is you are going to run the ball 50% of the time. And if you get too far away from that, I'm going to make you overcorrect and we're going to get to that number. You know, he said it after the win against the Colts this week as he talked about, not turning the he said you have to win the turnover battle you have to win the rushing battle and something else but the rushing battle to him is just as important as the turnover battle which conventional wisdom says is insane and numbers say is insane but to him that's what he believes and that's what he's convicted in and he's won enough games where he's going to get as much rope as he wants on this so if you're going to be that way it's very helpful to have your star running back play like a star running back again. And that, that may be enough to cover up for the Todd Downing stuff for the rest of the year, even, you know, bad sacks and all like it it may just, it may help them get to the playoffs and be in a good position when the time comes. But those first two weeks, it was very scary because it, it, you know, we, we should have known and we talked about how he always does better in later years and blah, blah, blah. But every time you see him have like, two yards of carry for like the first two games, it, it sure does leave a pit in your stomach. So th- this was nice to see. I mean, at a certain point, those like terrible games are going to 
persist for the whole season. Like he can't just keep doing this forever. Um, but yeah, he, he looks fine. He looks really good. And I think it's important for him to get this bye week out of the way. And I think once he comes out of it, he's just going to crush. He's going to crush some of these defenses. Like, especially the Colts coming out of that bye week, he might go for 200 uh, in that game. So I, I'm really pumped uh, to continue to see Derrick Henry be Derrick Henry because he really does look like he's back to, to some of his best ways. We're going to take an ad break here, and then we're going to come back and talk about the Titans Week 5 opponent, the Washington Commanders. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Times podcast. In, in week five, the Times will get the Washington Commanders, who are one and three, I believe. Yep, they are last in the NFC East. Uh, they're coming off of a loss to the Dallas Cowboys and Cooper Rush. Uh, pretty terrible loss. They looked, they looked awful. Uh, they couldn't get anything going on offense, and they even let Cooper Rush have a really solid uh, game. So, man, I don't—this team is bad. Like, the, the Washington Commanders are, are not good in anything. Like, they, they don't do anything well. They're supposed to have— uh, like a really good defensive line that could get a lot of pressure uh, and their defense theoretically should be really solid because they have good pieces, but they're not good. Like they're giving up a bunch of passing yards. Like I said, to Cooper rush, uh, Jared Goff had four touchdowns against them. Jalen Hurts went, went absolutely nuclear through the air on them in one half. Uh, so on defense, they're not very good. And on offense, Carson Wentz is is a, is a complete disaster. Like, he had a, a good week one against the Jaguars. He looked okay. Uh, and then he played the Detroit Lions, who might be the worst defense in NFL history. Uh, and ever since then, he has looked like the worst version of Carson Wentz that we've seen uh, so far in his NFL career. So this team is, is not good. The Titans should easily win this game, but... You know, maybe the same thing that happened in the Giants game uh, will happen to them. But given everything, I just don't see a way that the Titans lose this game. I, I know I, I know, I'm not supposed to say that because... But you seem to happening. say it every week, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But they really shouldn't. They really shouldn't. 
Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Allen's really good. Like, I, I do, I'm, I'm looking at his stats now. He only has two sacks, uh, but he has seven tackles for loss, which checks out more. Because, like, when you watch that Cowboys game, he's, like, the only one who's, like, really making an impact, like, play in, play out. Like, he's he's doing really well, and, you know, not not to say that, like, that's how we're the Titans are going to lose the game, but that you don't you don't want to see him if you can help it um but yeah like Carson Wentz sucks um I I think we knew that I think we've seen that but you know like can the Titans exploit that you know can they can they make it difficult for him instead of just deciding to give him layups because Matt Ryan also sucks like you know Matt Ryan against the uh, Jaguars had three interceptions and was shut out because the Jaguars contested everything instead of just, you know, playing bend, but don't break. Like we've defenses that have contested the Colts have embarrassed them. And the Titans conceded a lot of that in, in an, you know, a, a big picture idea of it's okay if they get a certain number of points, cause we expect to get more and we just need to focus on turnovers and stopping their playmakers, which you know, is good if you're not giving up explosive plays, but if you're giving up explosive plays and bending, it's it's pretty a pretty bad way to live. So, you know, they still have Terry McLaurin. Thank goodness Jahan Dotson is not going to play in this game with a hamstring yeah. injury because I was like, going to mention that he if he like, would if he would play like they they go three deep at, at receiver when he's out there. That's a really nice trio if yeah. the, if the quarterback could get them the ball, but him being out. Um, definitely puts a damper on that because Diami Brown will fill in, but he has amounted to nothing so far in his NFL career. Yeah, I mean, Terry McLaurin, great. Curtis Samuel completely, like, re- re-emerged as the guy that everybody thought he could be, which is, like, dink and dunk, gadget guy, like, with speed, who can, you know, who can have a long run after catch, but who, like, is just going to be that shifty guy who catches the ball well. Like, that's, you know... Once he left the Panthers, it turns out that he can still do that. Um, Jahan Dotson, he's caught half of their passing or half of their receiving touchdowns. So that's pretty important. He has four, like in three games, he has four. Um, although I, I don't know when he left that game. So maybe we should just call it a full four games. But either way, it's it's impressive. So, you know, not having him will make it difficult. J.D. McKissick is basically their Dontrell Hilliard. Like that's he's that kind of explosive shifty guy, but yeah, their offensive line just d- like looks like Swiss cheese sometimes. I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's a not good unit. So uh, I'm looking, Wentz has been sacked 17 times. He sacked on 9% of his dropbacks. That's pretty bad. <laughs> um, like, I don't, I don't know how else to say that, but that I mean, it it feels like those are pretty bad numbers to have at this point in the season, with because the I believe their starting center is on IR, uh, and I don't I don't think he's coming back or I don't think he's expected to come back this week. So uh, as far as I know, they've got their starting offensive line out there. I haven't done much research into that yet, but there's no reason to expect that that'll change this week. So you know. If the Titans have Bud Dupree, Rashad Weaver, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, and, and Tier Tart, who suddenly looks like 
you don't want to pass it that way because he leads the team in pass deflections and had that crazy interception. And like, you know, if they have those guys and then maybe you get Ola Daney back and maybe the Steelers cut uh, David and any, because he's been, I, I just checked this before the podcast, but he's, uh, and then he's been active um, for each of the three weeks after they signed him off the Titans practice squad in week two. So, and they've elevated a different linebacker. So maybe he'll get cut. That would help if the Titans could pick him back up, but either way, like they're going to go with that big, like Mario Edwards, uh, Walker, like that, that weird, you know, jumbo package they have more, more often than you want to see. And they always have, but on passing downs, the, the pass rush looks like it's going to still be top, you know, top third in the league, maybe better if Bud Dupree can get healthy and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that's, that's encouraging. And this is another team that, you know, if you can have any success, you should have it here. So they can't really pass it. I mean, they could, everybody can pass it on the Titans, but if they're taking away Terry McLaurin, if they're treating him like Devonte Adams and Curtis, the, it's up to Curtis, although they took away, uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, I, I was going to go into the same thing I've talked about before, where they take away the top two weapons. Like if you if they have to win with J.D. McKissick and I guess Antonio Gibson, like that seems like a tough task to to deal with. So I I, I don't think that the Commanders will win. I won't say never because the Titans in the second half look like they can make anybody cover the spread, but. It's going to be difficult for the Commanders. You mentioned taking McLaurin away. The Commanders take away McLaurin by themselves. He has like one of the deepest average depth of targets in the entire NFL. They're basically using him as like Deshaun Jackson when he's a really good overall receiver. And that kind of just plays in the Titans' hands because they're generally good. (laughs) If Terrence Mitchell and Trey Avery aren't on the field, they're generally good. Uh, and not giving up huge plays deep down the field. Um, So you kind of solved your McLaurin problem, and I think the commanders are just going to focus on getting the ball to Curtis Samuel uh, in space, and, and, you know, that definitely could pose a problem for the Titans, but I just don't see that many ways that that the commanders could win uh, on offense, especially when you consider that they're just giving up an insane amount of sacks uh Carson Wentz when he gets pressured is so prone and liable to throwing the ball to the other team they can't run the ball Antonio Gibson is averaging 3.3 yards a carry Jaden McKissick's under four yards a carry they're not getting a lot of push on the ground it's possible that Brian Robinson comes back uh in this game they are going to activate him uh off the non-football injury list he's the guy who got shot before uh before the season started he had actually won the starting job um theoretically uh in front of Antonio Gibson and he was a really good prospect uh coming out of Alabama so if he plays in this game that could pose a bit of a problem I don't know how good he's going to be coming off literal gunshot wounds uh but other than that I just I don't know I I I I don't see too many ways that the that Washington's going to put up that many points uh, on offense and their defense that's coordinated by Jack Del Rio. They just do not play well together as a unit. So all things considered, the Titans should really go into this game as a pretty decent road favorite. 
but you know, anything can happen. Maybe they can't score any points again in the second half, uh, and they don't start well in the first half. But I, I, I have a stat actually. This is a crazy stat. Uh, this is courtesy of Graham Barfield, uh, who's a, like a fantasy analyst. He uh, wrote today, Carson Wentz in the first half of the Commanders' last three games, so excluding week one uh, against the Jaguars, he is 20 of 40 for 133 yards. That's a 3.3 yard per attempt number. One touchdown, one interception, six passing first downs, and 11 sacks. Washington has been outscored by a 59 to 7 margin in the first half of weeks two to two to four. And consider that the Titans are possibly the best first half team in the NFL. Like everything points to the Titans getting out ahead of Washington by a lot in the first half, and they should be able uh, to keep it together in the second half to come away with a win. Yeah, I, I mean. I just, this team is like, I, I, I will not jinx this team. And I say, know. Like, I like, know. <laughs> I'm, I, I, you know, good. I hope everybody has a good game and stay selfie. <laughs> it's like, I'm just in like default. Like I, I thought I was so confident that the Titans were going to beat the giants. And, you know, that, that game to me still doesn't make sense how the giants won. Um, even though the Giants are three and one right now, and like they they've done well against other teams, you know, like they were competitive with the count. Like I just I don't know. I I, I won't. I, I'll believe it when I see it, and I'll praise them after that. But you know, if they if they even if they don't even if they don't dominate and they just do what they're supposed to do, they should still be considered the favorites just because of the lack of. I don't know anything that Washington has shown to this point. Yeah, agreed. And I think that'll do it for our Washington commanders discussion. Uh, just a weird team that seems to have completely quit on their coach, to be honest. So hopefully the times could come away with a win. I'm not going to guarantee anything. All I'm saying is what should happen. Uh, but I also thought they were going to beat the giants by like three scores and, and we saw what happened there. So uh, we'll see. We're going to take one more ad break, and then we're going to wrap up with Stop the Nonsense. Welcome back into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Times podcast. Here to wrap up with Stop the Nonsense. Will, do you want to go first? Yeah, so if you followed uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, you should be fully aware of what my Stop the Nonsense is. So I live in the Memphis area for broadcasting, and for some ungodly reason— and well, I know what the reason is, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, Memphis broadcasts, when they're given the chance, will always choose to air the Dallas Cowboys over the Tennessee Titans. It does not matter how good either team is. It doesn't matter that the their market is like it. It doesn't matter. They they refuse to show the Titans if they can get access to. Uh, the Cowboys. Now that's a pretty rare thing because that only happens if CBS exchanges the basically swaps the right with rights with Fox for another NFC game or something in, in a different time slot, or if it's a split game and both teams are playing at noon and you know, there's an a like different things like that. But for whatever reason, for the last two weeks, I believe 
uh, that the, uh, the uh, Titans have been on Fo- on yeah on Fox, which is you know typically the NFC uh, broadcast. Uh, actually, sorry, I take that back. I don't know if they were uh, the Raiders game because I was at that game, but I, I believe they were anyway. But because of this weird feud that Memphis has with Nashville, where they're so jealous of Nashville and all their success, like that they, they refuse to to give in to anything, any of their like, just they won't they won't support them in any way possible, even if it hurts themselves. Because of that, I had to like, you know totally legally find ways to watch the game and it was a nightmare i, I mean it was you know nfl plus doesn't work like it's supposed to like it, it you can't stream that you can only stream radio broadcasts because of some stupid local area like it, it's just a dozen different things to why you can't watch it in easy and convenient ways so i i watched the game how i watched the game and then i had to basically rewatch the entire uh, broadcast version of the Titans game, so I didn't miss anything after, like, once it was finally up, which was, like, I, I noticed it at, like, 10 o'clock, so I watched it before, I watched it after the last game on Sunday night. So that that whole thing was an absolute nightmare, and it's so aggravating that Memphis is so jealous. And look, I, I you know, I was born in Memphis, I live near Memphis, you know, there, there is no contest. Nashville is far and beyond Memphis. It's, you know, they're, they're, they're advanced so far. Maybe it'll be a competition for which city is the best city in, in Tennessee in terms of, you know, amenities and all that kind of stuff. But right now it's not even close. So, like, get over this. You know, Nashville will broadcast, you know, I've, I've never had a hard time finding an NBA game when the Grizzlies are playing and I've been in the Nashville area. So I, I, whatever, whatever this is has to stop because I was almost losing my mind being, you know, watching basically a scrambled version of uh, the Titans slowly losing their lead to the Matt Ryan Colts. And it was driving me insane. That's so weird that, uh, that that's how it works now because uh, I, I live in Miami and the Dolphins played on Thursday night football last week which is supposed to be exclusively on Amazon Prime, but it was on my local channel. Like, I, I just, it just had the Amazon Prime broadcast on the local channel. I was totally surprised by that. I thought it would only be available on Amazon Prime, but, and you're telling me that you had this issue. So, man, I mean, that's, that's really, uh, that's frustrating. And, Chalk another one up to the cord cutting disaster that keeps going on uh, in, in broadcast sports. It's really, it's really annoying. Yeah. So that was uh, how I. Uh, tr- if the Titans had lost that game, I would have, I would be in a much worse mood right now, and it would have been dire consequences for the Titans because I would have rained hell down on everybody, whether they deserved it or not. I would still be mad. Yeah, I, t- I tweeted uh, we would have had to put the parental advisory uh, tag on this one if, if we would have lost that game. Uh, thankfully, we didn't. Uh, I, I'm going to go with my stop to nonsense. I have two because I think we should talk about one of them. But my first one is can can these brands, the, these high-profile brands, can they stop using the the him, the him thing, the him meme? 
the NFL the NFL is is the worst culprit of this. Uh, they tweeted recently, NFC Offensive Player of the Month, Jalen Hurts. The plays that prove Jalen is him. You, you sound like you sound like an old person trying trying to make this work. I've I've never even used this because I, I don't I don't like it. I I don't like this trend uh, at all. And then these brands come in and they try to be so cool and so hip, and then they just end up looking so corny. Just please please stop. You don't have to jump on every single trend. Okay, that's that. And then can we talk about the Tua thing? Like, absolutely insane, right? This is a stop the nonsense uh, in itself that he was even allowed to play. First of all, the the fact that he was even allowed to to come back in uh, to the game last Sunday, even though he was like completely falling over himself. Uh, and the, the, supposedly the independent neurologist cleared him and the team doctor cleared him after doing the concussion test which by all accounts i've heard i've heard stories from a lot of nfl players is like super easy to pass and you could just bypass it very easily like he was very clearly concussed or something was wrong with him he ended up coming back into that game and then they go not only like do they let him play the next week they let him play on short rest like on a thursday night traveling uh to cincinnati in the in that game, he gets a severe concussion. Uh, he goes in a, like that fencing posture that you only see when like an MMA fighter gets knocked out. Uh, scary stuff. You have to get taken to taken to a hospital, ambulance off the field. Now they finally ruled him out for the Jets game, and it seems like they're gonna take this seriously finally and keep him out for a couple weeks. But I mean, what an absolute disaster! Yeah, like there's so many different things we we should we should have talked about this at the top. I, I can't remember if we uh, touched on it last week about how they said it was. I, surely we did. I know we talked about it where uh, he was injured in that game. Two was injured in that other game, and just they said it was his back or whatever. The, a similar thing happened uh, in Tampa Bay when Cameron Bright this week uh, said had a concussion basically and went back in the game and then uh, Tony Dungy was like, he's got a concussion. Like he's like after the game and like he, like Cameron Brake told the coaches and the medical staff that it was a shoulder and they were like, all right. And I'm like, this was days after, you know, a football game had to be paused for 30 minutes while a guy was taken to a trauma center because his, like he had such a bad, like in like, I, I don't even want to call it an injury, like traumatic, uh, event i I mean i I don't know what you would call something like that because it it wasn't a normal injury you know so it's and a lot of people are are like i don't know how i watch the nfl with how violent it is and all that and it's like look like i i understand that like I, i i totally get that like i've also seen guys get compound fractures like in college basketball games like like gruesome, like gruesome injuries. Like anytime you're doing something really fast and there's a chance that you could slip or get hit or whatever. Cause the hit that messed Tua up the second time was not some big, you know, James it was Harrison. normal. He, yeah, he it, just didn't get rid of the ball and like the awkward yeah. motion of throwing it while falling down ended up causing him uh, yeah, to fall like really awkward. Like, yeah, it's like whiplash that like re-aggravated it. And it was just like, you know, 
there, there's no telling how, and, and this is part of the problem. There's no telling how many times in the past that's happened before. There's no telling how many times that's happened in other sports where people have had concussions and they've, you know, they've gone back out there and done it after, you know, when they slip and, you know, whatever, like it, it just, it's part of it. And it's a, it's a bad part that no, you know, nobody wants to talk about, but it's, you know, any time, like un, until they turn it into flag football. And I, I'm not saying this in a, like, you know, they should just make them wear flags if they're going to, it's not like that, but anytime there's going to be forcible contact, like I, even people have talked about this a lot where they talk about maybe if you took the helmets out of the game, because helmets are being used like weapons that that those hits wouldn't happen the same and that they don't happen at the same clip and rugby and all that, which is a fair thing. But None of what happened to Tua on either days were plays where he got hit helmet to helmet or anything like that. That was just, you know, pure like physics and and momentum whipping him down and all that. And, you know, he should not have played in that game. Like I said earlier, Vrabel, to his credit, has always been ultra conservative in these things. And so he would not have played if he was on the Titans. Like, I, I feel confident about that. But, you know, if if you're uh Mike McDaniel I always want to call him Josh um if, if you know and it's your first year as an NFL head coach and you're starting quarterback who's under a ton of criticism all the time you know goes out has you know has a clear concussion he, he passes whatever test they make and you put him back in and he wins and you know y'all are 3 and 0 and on fire and all this like and then he, you know, throughout the week, he looks like he's making progress and he says he's okay. And he's passing whatever these tests are. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what you, you necessarily expect him to do. I think the process that needs to change is there needs to be a more stringent uh, examination on actual concussions. And like that, it, it cannot, it, it never should have been left to the coaches to decide. It because there's they're not medical professionals. It should have always been in the hands of of doctors and all that. And even the fact that they have to get cleared by something like it, it should be an ongoing thing. Like that you should have doc. And maybe they do. Maybe maybe I'm just overreacting to this. But they should have doctors at practice. I mean, like they've got you know physical trainers and stuff at practices. So like uh, presumably they could have somebody at practice to watch and monitor and say, yeah, that looks right. No, he doesn't really look right. Let's pull him out. Like all that kind of stuff. But I don't know that it was, it was a bad incident and it, you know, hopefully some good positive change change comes out of this, but I don't know how you fix. I don't, I don't know how you eliminate it from any sport, specifically contact sports like this and rugby and those. Yeah, it was just uh, terrible all around, but um, hopefully, too, it will be okay. Uh, and, yeah, hopefully he can come back this season, but they really need to do just a complete overhaul uh, of the protocols and definitely be more stringent. So that's going to do it for us. Hopefully the Titans will come back uh, and get another win, their third in a row against the Washington Commanders uh, this Sunday, uh, and we'll be back next week to recap it all so for matthias for will thank you for tuning in and remember to always stop the nonsense
Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.